Hello and welcome once more to another edition of the Hungarian Football Podcast. I am your host, Chris Barrett, and with me once again are Magyar Fokai founders Tom Mortimer and Gabby Kovac. Welcome back, fellas. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hey. So we're, uh, we discussed watching a classic Hungarian match on the podcast last week and, and put it to a vote to all of our Twitter followers, all 10 of them. And uh, I think in one of the closest votes in Twitter history, the winner was the 1953 friendly match between England and Hungary at Wembley. Uh, this is 25 November 1953. The Olympic champions, Hungary, who were ranked number one in the world, traveled to take on a complacent England who had never lost to a foreign opponent on home soil. To do so would have been unthinkable. But on that dull, gray, late November afternoon, the ma mighty Magyars made quick work of an England team that clutched arrogantly to outdated tactics and a narrow approach that changed the world of football as we know it. The dominant 6-3 win was dubbed as the match of the century, and it has stood the test of time as a classic watch, as well as the fulcrum of monumental changes to the game we know today. So before we start the game, uh, I'd love for us to kind of go over the lineups to familiar ourselves and the listeners with uh, performers on the day, as well as give uh, you guys, Tom, Gabby, a chance to comment a bit about the significance of the game and why it was such a massive game for both teams and uh, maybe a little bit about some of the players as well. Um, uh, so going back to starting with England, England, uh, and again, this is black and white, roomy-eyed 1953 television, so it's not going to be great, but uh, they were the team in the white kit. Uh, goalkeeper Gil Merrick for Birmingham, 31 years old. Uh, defensive line Alf Ramsey, Tottenham, 33. Bill Eckersley, Blackburn Rovers. Um, halfbacks Billy Wright, captain um, from the FA Cup runners-up Wolves. Um, Harry Johnston, who I'm sure we'll talk a lot about, Blackpool, um, 34 years old. Jimmy Dickinson, left half, played for Portsmouth. Um, and then, of course, Stanley Matthews, uh, the 38-year-old right winger for Blackpool. Uh, Ernie Taylor, Blackpool. Uh, Stan Mortensen, also Blackpool. You can see um, a common theme here. Um, Jackie Sewell, Sheffield Wednesday, was inside left. And then George Robb who was making his debut, uh, played with Tottenham. Um, he was actually handed his debut after uh, Preston North End's Tom Finney was suffered a groin injury a couple of days beforehand. So a couple of players had their, um, had their debut for the England squad. And in fact, the oldest starting 11 since 1920. Guys, any thoughts on that squad before we move on to, uh, to, Hung to the Hungarian squad? Yeah, so that squad was like, very well like very well renowned like quite revered you, you, uh, Alf Ramsey obviously was the England manager when they won the World Cup but he was obviously a decent player as well Billy Wright's kind of thought upon as one of England's best defenders of all time Stanley Matthews kind of his name kind of precedes his his uh, ability he's just kind of a legend of the fo of fo uh, English football Stan Mortensen similar as well like this is a pretty decent England side. Aging, though, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. And these, these were football clubs, like names today that might be synonymous with being lower league football clubs, but they were huge names back in the day then. Blackpool, and you know, they've, they've got like 
I think four or five players, aren't they? Is it is it four mm. four players yeah. from representing England? So yeah, these were these were big clubs and big players. Yeah, interestingly enough, to Alf Ramsey, this was his last game in an England shirt. Um, uh, I think there was a few of them. Um, in fact, all the the Blackpool trio, as they called them, uh, Matthews Taylor, who was also getting his debut, I think, and Mortensen never played another game for England. So um, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about the uh, uh, the backlash after this game and, and maybe why that happened. But um, yeah, aging squad um, of players. And um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely were legends. And uh, as we mentioned, had never lost a game on foreign soil. Uh, I'm sorry, on home soil against a foreign uh, opponent. So um, any thoughts about just their approach to that? Um, you know, heading in, just maybe the, the English mindset, uh, not just with the, the players, but also the supporters and fans. Yeah, I think there was a massive, um, uh, well, they were massively arrogant um, back then in England. Um, I don't think it's harsh to say. I think they would admit that at the time as well as they do now, that they were kind of just expecting to roll over Hungary before this game never been beaten by a team from uh, a foreign country before they were beaten by Ireland, who obviously are a foreign nation, but all the Irish players actually played in the English league at the time. So weren't really right. a foreign, um, quite as foreign as like Hungary are uh, a team who a lot of these players, English players would have never seen before. A lot of the fans would have never seen anything of them, obviously, because um, people weren't watching them on TV every week. Um <laughs> So, yeah, they kind of just expected to beat this foreign muck as usual and um, move on. So, yeah, it was they were in for quite a shock. And so let's move on to, to Hungary. Obviously, this is uh, what our listeners want. Um, they were wearing the cherry red um, kit and uh, it look, just looks like gray. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm going to butcher these names so you guys can help me, of course. But uh, Grochik, um, the goalkeeper, um, and again, most of these most of these players played for for uh, on bed. Um, but again, uh, the average age uh, of this squad was only 26 years old. Um, the Black Panther, the goalkeeper, um, and then uh, Buzanski, who was the right back um, for is it Dor- Dorogi? What's the Dorog. name? How do you pronounce? It? No, and, yeah, okay. no eye on the end. Yeah. Okay, no I sorry. Lantosh uh, for Vorosh Lobogo. They used to be MTK. There you go. MTK. No wonder that's where uh, Hiraguti Nandor played, yeah. right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Bonus points for what Vorosh Lobogo means. What's that? Bonus points for what Vorosh Lobogo means. Okay, well, we'll get it back to you at the end so that people can uh, think it through. And then and if, <laughs> if they get it before we get to the end of the lineup, then we'll uh, we'll go there. Uh, you had Laurent uh, playing um, center half. Um, obviously, uh, Boshik for uh, he was the captain for for Onbed. Um, Zacharias playing uh, center half as well. Outside right, Budai. Uh, boy, what a game he had. Kokshish um, playing up top. Uh, Hiraguti Nandor, who uh, played that um, 
uh, kind of pulled back center forward or attacking midfielder that really, really changed the game, I think. And then, of false course, nine, maybe false That's nine, weird. of course, being number nine. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Pushkash, of course, and and uh, Chibor. Um, the majority of these players obviously playing for Onved. A uh, lot of political ramifications going on, especially with Gustav Shebesh as the as the manager. Um, a very interesting lineup against uh, England's uh, WM outdated lineup. Um, thoughts on the players? Thoughts on the the approach to it, uh, gentlemen? We'll start with you, Gavin. Well, the, these guys, un, unlike uh, England, whose players were sort of, you know, new, like you said, new caps here and there, and players coming in all the time. Um, where this this Hungarian team had been together for for like four years, something like that. Um, and leading up the game, it, it's strange because the results that of, of teams like of any of any no weren't particularly sort of outstanding. In that year, they had a 1-1 draw with um, Austria, a 4-2 win against Sweden. Uh, they had a 1-1 draw with Bulgaria, a tight 3-2 win over Austria, and a 2-2 draw with Sweden. So, looking at sort of results going going into the to the England game, you could be sort of um, you could see maybe where, where England's um, thinking they were going to beat as 4-5-0 come from. Um, it's, it's strange because only only a couple of days before uh, Hungary played a, a couple of games. Well, they played a game in France before and a game in France after. They won 18-1 on the on the 21st of um, November, and uh, three days after this game they won 16-0. So these guys are not letting up for for anything at all. And um, yeah, the team. I mean, you know, th- those those teams obviously. Are just classic Hungarian teams. They're the, they're the most famous Hungarian teams of the era. Uh, obviously, MT now and and Honved. But what what incredible incredible talent! Just to to have been able to witness those guys at their at their prime would would have just been out of this world. David, do you want to tell us what Voros uh, Lobogov means now? It means red banner. <laughs> I'm guessing that some of our some of our listeners knew that, but uh, high marks for those of you who knew it before the answer. Well done, Tom. Thoughts? Um, yeah, like it's just names that roll off the tongue, and that front five, a kind of a front five which you always saw when Hungary played. Um, a few of the other guys were kind of a little bit interchangeable, but would I? Kocic, Hidaguti, Pushka, Shibo. It's just, it's just class. Like, and I think you will see when when the game starts and the ball falls over, goes over to Budai and he just traps it perfectly straight away. You're just like Jesus, like, <laughs> like almost like taken away because you think you see the game it's so old, um, and you just expect it to be a little bit rubbish. You, you kind of expect that when you watch old football, but. When you see that first touch, you're like, oh, God, these guys, they're actually class. Like, even not even for their era, they, they are just truly, truly uh, like world-class team. And mm-hmm. um, at this stage, like Gabby said, that the, the, the guys have been together for about four years. Similar names pretty much every game. Um, and, yeah, and they've been on a, on a run for that four years of 
I don't know, what was it, 40 game, 30, 40 games unbeaten by this point. So mm-hmm. they were, they might not have had the greatest year, but they, they were kind of at the peak of their powers and coming off the Olympics, which, and the Olympics, not to, um, it's probably important to say that, that it was very important back then. It was as, as important mm-hmm. pot- potentially as the World Cup. Like everyone wanted to win it. There was no um, restrictions like under 23s that there is now. I mean, South American teams still take it very seriously now, but even the European teams take took it seriously back then. Um, so yeah, Hungary were, were were a very very good side, and 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 in the World Cup they kind of showed that as well. Obviously not right to the end. There. <laughs> yeah, there's an interesting quote by um, a fellow named Norman Giller who did a post match report and it said. Uh, Hungary play a flexible 4-2-4 formation and made England's 2-3-5 pattern seem about as um, uh, as useless as a hansom cab on a motorway, uh, or as out of place as a hansom cab on a motorway. Um, and I think we see that, like you said, from the very beginning. You know, um, players out of position, uh, England defenders running around trying to mark a number as opposed to a player. Um, it's uh, It really is almost comical uh, at times, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as we'll see, like, 6-3 is flattering for England. Really is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. It, it right. genuinely is. Like, 6-3 sounds like a battering, but, like, when Hungary played them the year after, uh, just before the World Cup, it was 7-1. And, like, it could have been 7-1 in this game, to be honest. It feels like Hungary let off just to, to I don't know, maybe they were slipped a tenner each or something by the the queen just to not demoralize the whole country or something. <laughs> yeah. I remember in the, in the tunnel when yeah. Billy Wright had, um, had said when, when they were walking out of the tunnel, they, they looked down uh, at the Hungarians um, and they had these strange boots on. They said they looked like cutaway slippers, like really lightweight. Yeah. And, uh, and he said to Stan Mortensen, we should be all right here. Stan, they haven't got the proper kit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of interesting thoughts um, or uh, talk before the match, even right up to the kickoff, where they were they were making fun of um, Pushka's size. Um, yeah. You know, even saying that after the game, you know, th- these these fellows could have been from another planet. You know, we didn't know who they were. We didn't, even though they had played them, I think um, not too long ago. Um, you know, it's just they they just didn't give much thought, did they? No, I don't think they really did back then. I think teams kind of especially England who were playing the home nations a lot. And then if they played a team from abroad, then they'll, they probably beat them because they've been playing the game a lot, lot, lot longer. So the players have developed, they didn't really take any interest in other, other teams. And there was this, there was this arrogance that they'd just turn up and beat anyone who was in their path. The best league in the world was the division one, according to them, the best team in the world was England because they invented the game, even though they were getting regularly beaten by Scotland and, because um, Scotland were very good back then, um, and obviously, like I said, they lost to Ireland as well. Um, they, for some reason, they just had this real arrogance, and and a little bit like in, uh, English football, maybe of the last ten years, it's probably changing a little bit. There was just this arrogance that their way was the right way, and they weren't <laughs> like um, being influenced by foreign, uh, yeah, had no foreign influence whatsoever. Um, so, and. There's, I don't want to kind of talk about post-game too much, but it, 
that they talk about this game being the game that won England the World Cup in '96 because mm-hmm. in 1966 because that it it just shook them to the core and they just had to change. I know they lost seven mm-hmm. one the, the following year, but <laughs> it was kind of a long process. And Alf Ramsey, who was there that night in the six three, he was one of the well was the main orchestrator in England completely changing the way that they play football because of seeing this otherworldly, as Gabby said. Um, uh, f- performance from Hungary. Mm-hmm. Well, let's um, let's get to the game. What do you say? Hmm. Let's go. Everybody, uh, are we on? We will. Uh, uh, those of you who are listening that want to follow along, uh, the link it will be in the notes, um, and uh, we'll be starting here in just a couple of seconds. Um, so, so while, while everyone's looking it up and trying to figure out how to when to p- press play and all that. A um, friend of mine mentioned that uh, could this have been the only game where three Knights of the Realm were in the, the squad? Um, I know that Alf Ramsey and Stan Matthews, but uh, was was Bobby Robson on the bench? Does anybody know? Or was he anywhere near this team? He might have been because I know, um, oh, what's that? I can't remember his name now. Uh, Jimmy Armfield was on the bench and the I don't know if he was actually a knight, but there was there was a few people on the bench that night. I think you could only make a sub if it was an injury back then. I think that was the rule. Yeah. Um, I'm just yeah. looking up the 1966 World Cup final to see if there's how many knights in that. I think there's three in that one. Is there? Sir Bobby Charlton, Sir Jeff Hurst, and Sir Bobby Moore. I think that's it. Okay. And Sir Alf Ramsey was the manager back then. Yeah, of course. There you go. There was four on on the pitch then, or, or uh, at least on the on the on the side. So. Yeah. All right, you guys ready? Yes, I sure am. Ladies and gentlemen, don't take a nap early because this one gets started right away. In three, two, one, play. All right. So here we go. I love, I love this beginning with the the keepy apps that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if you were to if you were to put this in color and put like Barcelona shirts on them and really polish it up and show it to to like a a ten year old, fifteen year old today, they would believe it. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like you know the like say the football as Tom was saying earlier. It's 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 incredible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not even just the the this touch. That was the touch. That's the touch right there. But look, it's like, it's the what? Short, short and long passes. I mean, they're they right from the beginning. You can see England is already on their back heel. Here we go. Yeah. I just remember how heavy the balls were that they that they had then as well. What was the ref giving there? How did throwing. the ref give England a throw it? <laughs> Foul throw, Tom, we don't we don't question we're only a small little yeah. European nation you don't question at, at Wembley just, just give them oh. the ball back <laughs> here we go right here here's here's where we begin this to is, see the breakdown my word is... <laughs> so um, easy it was it was so so easy but you see um uh what's his name uh Harry Johnston just completely check off and he's like he's like at sea had no yeah. idea and that little dummy was perfect so yeah. oh yeah he just completely sold him and then had a free shot of goal I mean mm-hmm. uh, oh we're already started for the next bit no messing this is, about 
this is a beautiful thing about watching this game. I don't know if you guys felt it, but it's like there's no time wasting. There's no assimilation. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, goalkeepers grab the ball instead of letting it go out for a goal kick. I mean, it's yeah. just it's a torrid pace, isn't it? <laughs> I know. <yeah. laughs> nice move from England, to be fair. Yeah. But um, available. I mean, it's just incredible, isn't it? If you had any any kind of bit of talent, like obviously we did, it just it's so easy to see how they just got completely taken apart. Because you look at everyone, even from that kickoff, then the way everyone ran up the pitch was like, (laughs) and you were trying to get an equaliser, you know. It is, yeah. I love these guys. These guys behind the goal. These these. (laughs) They're all just sitting there smoking. <laughs> Some, that's someone's that's someone's granddad, great granddad, saying, "What were you? What was you doing at the um, at the six three game again, granddad?" I was having a fag behind the goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just tremendous, isn't it? Well, it's so funny. There's a hundred what five thousand people in that stadium, and like only thirty photographers. Think about what it is today with all the placards yeah. and advertising and everything it's just it's amazing to me it almost looks like they're not doing anything there's nobody there when you're just watching the game on the pitch it's so weird when sorry sorry tom no go for it i just find it so weird whenever there's a free kick they they don't even like look they just almost as soon as it's placed (laughs) they run down and take take it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like give anything a thought it's crazy I was also thinking about just the fitness guys. I mean, you know, today footballers are just very lean, you know, lean body, lean muscle mass. These guys are barrel chested meat eaters. I mean, yeah. I mean, Stan Matthews, 38 years old. Yeah, they're probably getting beers after the game. You know, <laughs> it's just these are men. <laughs> they're not boys. The, the youngest player out there, I think, is 26, which is, <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess that's maybe close to today. But honestly, you know, how often do you see a 38-year-old playing? Yeah, international football for England, yeah. And as a forward. Yeah. So, Pacey right winger. Yeah. But don't forget these these Honved guys, where obviously Honved was the, the, the team of the army. So these guys had their... Um, they, they were definitely ready for all occasions. Like yeah. army training, obviously, stuff like that. This is a walk in the park for them. Yeah. yeah. You can just tell they look a lot leaner as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. In England, just I think maybe their shirts don't help, but they just look almost old, like a vets team. They all seem yeah. to be bold, bolding, like Mortensen there. Is it Mortensen? Yeah, center hand or uh, center forward. Coach is just getting on with the kick there because yeah. it closed down. It's not even it's <laughs> just like aiming it at a particular area. It's how it always used to be. Even when I sort of grew up watching football in the eighties, the yeah. goalkeeper never used to aim for anyone. It was just <laughs> a kick into a general area. Just suffocating defense here. I mean, you know, England can get it to the edge of the box, and that's about it. You know. I bet they're wondering why there's so many players back for Hungary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously their plan for, for Hidaguti was that he was going to be, um, well, he was wearing a number nine, but they thought he was going to be a traditional number nine in that sense. So yeah. for him to be in midfield, like obviously dragged dragged the, the, the guy that was marking him way, way, way out of his zone. Yeah. But how, you do, how do you not adapt to that? What does that say about coaching, you know? They must have been like just so used to playing that if they 
saw anything else that it just like blew their mind. Yeah. So maybe it, it, it's really bad how they were coached, to be fair. Do you think they even knew that they were down 1-0 at this point? I mean, you know, it just seemed like such a shock. And and now yeah. we're, you know, six minutes in or so. And and um, it's like, do they even know what's happening here? Because right here, we're seeing Hungary really um, matching them at least. And at best, as soon as Hungary gets the ball, I mean, we see the pace. Uh, you see them getting into wide positions. I mean, Budai right here, look at this. This, this little give and go and... Whew, I mean, just a step off there. Budai is, is so good, and his touch is just perfect. He he just when you see him every almost every touch he has, you just think he just wouldn't look out of place today at all. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of a lot of the players you can see that their technique's not great and stuff, but his is it just looks perfect every time he gets the ball. Not really seen much of Pushkash or um, on Kocic really, but. Um, Budai just seems to get the ball every time. It's, it's funny because like it, we've all obviously seen lots and lots of football games, been to lots of football games, but you know when you get that like you play that team that you're never really sure like how how they're going to be. Obviously, like you, you think you're going to steamroller, and which when I when I watched Luton playing in a conference for five years and we're playing teams that you know just no offense, but. Uh, were just sort of town names for retail parks and stuff like that <laughs> and you already on paper you're saying like wow we're going to beat these guys 7-0 and then when you do that thing of going 1-0 down like really early like like England did you kind of you say to yourself that's all right we've got 89 minutes we can still yeah. win this 7-1 and then like there must be a moment like as we're obviously the time that we're into the game now where people are thinking hang on a minute we're in trouble here Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, just Pushkas just setting off a shot there. Yeah. And like, yeah, you're like, why are we just getting dominated by these guys? Because it's coming back again against England. Yeah. Can't really. They just. I don't know. They, they might keep the ball a little bit here, but they just almost look a little bit bewildered. Yeah, they just don't seem to have really have an answer here. We're going to see Budai ah. here in a second. Um, uh, show a little bit of his pace and magic here as the ball gets sprayed out wide here. I think. Push cash. Oh, there's a shot. I guess it's that's just, it's just too easy, game. really. There's so much mm-hmm. space. And every time England turn the ball over, they look, Hungary just like flying at their like, four right. defenders that England have got, maybe less. I'd love to know, obviously, we, we've heard all the comments from the players and things like that, that that were at the game, and they were they were all so, you know, fair play to them. They were all admitting that they got absolutely annihilated and taught a lesson and football changed forever and everything like that. But mm-hmm. I wonder what you'd think as a fan in the, yeah. in the band, because, you know, I wonder how many people knew where Hungary was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that team that we... Um... Well, that country they were defeated in the war. Yeah, that's every right. war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they right, lost the ball in their own half again. Yeah, here's a little. Yeah, here's where we see Budai right here. I think. Oh, there we go. We're gonna see him sprayed out wide here. There it is. Oh. <laughs> right at him. Okay, that is just class, though. That is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Can England get out of the half now? <laughs> no, I think we get another. I mean, this this pressure is, becomes relentless here. 
Um, and uh, we're going to see a couple no. of. Oh, just about yeah, five yards in. <laughs> here's another. Here's another opportunity for for uh, um, Hungary to go up two nil here, right? Oh, oh, what a ball from Pushkas! That is beautiful ball. I can't believe he missed that header from what six less than six yeah. yards. Is that, is that but, in so. Yeah, like you say, Gab. Now, now uh, I don't know if like they the fans were getting angry at England games back then, but imagine if it was. If it was like today, they'd be like, fucking hell, what is going on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they'd, they'd be off. They were, yeah, they, they yeah would, they'd be booing. The papers would be, oh, <laughs> you'd lose your job instantly, wouldn't you? Imagine Twitter, it'd be exploding. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, here we go. Chance. Nope, cleared again. Now, here comes, I think, one of the most um, controversial parts of this game, I think, because once again, they should, this is a beautiful pass here. Pushcast is all right straight now. Look at, Look at that. Offside, oh. he calls it. How? And how on earth is that offside? Watch this. Look at him. I went back and watched this three or four times, fellas, and he's 10, 12 yards onside when the ball is kicked. <laughs> Dead serious. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Coach just giving him an earful right there. But again, like you said, uh, Tom, one of you said it, they're hungry, right? They're not going to bitch back at them they're yeah. who, who are they to do that but england can't get out of the half again hungry have got the ball back that's it <laughs> don't complain about the offsiders win the ball back <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but like like you say that ball from Pushkash, just class mm. he's really like oh my god that is awful thing then again push cash yeah just every time he gets the ball it's just he's got about 20 yards of space and he's just bringing it down perfectly playing Spraying passes. He could have already had two or three assists. And what are we, like 15 minutes into the game? At, uh, Not probably even. Less, probably less, about 10. Yeah. And just, for, you know, like, if you look at, Ooh. again, look at these England players, and, yeah, they were playing for big-name clubs at the time and that, but but of, of those players, I mean, look at ours that went on to play for Barcelona, Real Madrid, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the biggest teams in the world, these players were just absolutely unbelievable. And, yeah, you know, obviously the formation was a huge part of, of what they did. But f- without that, just to, just looking at them as individuals, it's frightening, isn't it? Yeah, 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 really is. Like people, I think people talk about that formation thing too much, really. I mean, obviously, tactics play a massive part. But in terms of just individual quality, there's just they're just night and day, so much different. Look at the pace of this guy here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a great finish, but it's just, Is that Seaborn? It's just yeah, Seaborn it must have been. Yeah, you know it's funny too because you know you expect back here to uh, left players play on the left side, right players play on the right side. But if you if you spot it every once in a while, Seaborn will come over to the right side. They were always, yeah, always interchangeable, those guys. It's yeah. so amazing at this point, right? At, at this yeah. time, of, this is total because, football before total football was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the precursor, really, because I think, I think Johan Cruyff uh, mentions it as well, that he used to see these Hungarian, this, the Hung- Hungary team, and it was kind of, yeah, like you say, the precursor for total football. Um, and people kind of always remember and, um, talk up the, the Dutch sides of the 70s and the 80s and, and fair play to them. But Hungary basically um, put that blueprint in place to begin with. 
It's a shame because now every single team in the world using that blueprint to hammer us like by seven or eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I I think back to nineties, um, early two thousands England football. Like they didn't seem to be interchangeable. Still at that day, like players kind of had their rigid position, and especially in the league and stuff. Almost seems like England didn't really learn massively from it in the in the first place. Like they never kind of went onto this total football kind of uh, way of playing, whereas a lot of European nations did. But England kind of have always been quite rigid in their formations. Did you just see the toe bash from? Yeah, um... uh, excellent. <laughs> you know what? To talk to talk of, again of of Siebel, you were saying about the interchangeableness of it. There's argue, there's there's an argument like it's not necessarily a great great big argument, but there's there's a guy called Istvan Nyers who um who was a an, another magnificent Hungarian player, um and he played for like during the time of this he was playing for like Inter Milan and he scored like about 130 goals in 150 appearances something like that he he was something special, but he was stripped of his um stripped of his Hungarian nationality when he moved to, to France. Um, otherwise, he could have been like, and he, this is a, a player that was absolutely off the scale as well, and, and arguably, some will say, better than, than Seaborg. Here's oh, the, the leveler right here. Uh, yeah. They now think they're Foss back in it, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Get a beautiful ball by Johnston. I think that was his only redeeming moment of the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was Sewell that scored. Um, but, yeah, that's really it for them, isn't it? I mean, just the, the one time they caught him and they were able to take that chance. But as we see here, that doesn't last very long, does it? <laughs> I've got this weird start where they've got three people on the ball, which I've never seen. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? And they just play it over. <laughs> Look at that. Um, yeah, I like – here we go. Uh, like Gab says as well – like it wasn't just like I read uh, Brian Glanville article a few uh, a couple of days ago just to kind of remind myself of this whole thing, um, and he was saying, oh, and when Hungary in the, we're in the next World Cup, they um, when Hungary were in the 1958 World Cup, they were nothing. It was kind of a team that came together and then disbanded, and then they were never the same again. But it's important to remember that like. Hungary in the 30s, the 40s, early 50s were were class. Like it, this wasn't just a one-off. Like the reason why Hungary in the 58 World Cup kind of weren't at their best was because of the well, the, all the political stuff going on. Um, and if you look at Hungary's record after the 54 World Cup, they were class again. They barely lost a game. It took about 20, 30 games again until they lost. Um, another one um, and in the 30s the 40s if it wasn't for two world wars Hungary probably would have won both world cups again mm-hmm. like they were class Laszlo Kubala who um, would who was old enough to be in the, the 54 world cup team it would old enough to be in this team um, kind of in his peak years he did a bit like Niers went to um, uh, went abroad he went to Barcelona and until Messi came along was voted um, Barcelona's best ever player. And he's kind of forgotten about because he's from the 50s and the 60s. 
but he was unbelievable and he would have been another one who would maybe would have played instead of Hidegui like Hungary back then were unbelievable and if no one's um, read Jonathan Wilson's book that came out last year they really should because um, it was it's called The Names Heard Long Ago. You can buy it on Amazon. It only came, yeah, and he came out last year. And Jonathan Wilson's obviously an amazing author. He wrote about what Hungary were like before the Mighty Magyars um, in kind of those preceding years and all the coaching that went into it, what, how they came about um, and and all the coaches that went abroad to spread their influence. Because if you look at, say, I don't know if you ever find yourself in a Wikipedia hole of looking through like old teams like Botafogo or Santos or any team, any big club from that era um, in Italy, uh, South America, Spain, they all had Hungarian coaches um, and their influence was seen across the globe. Like This wasn't just a one-off team. This was a team that was years in the making um, and it just peaked in 1954, May, arguably peaked in the 40s. Like it really could have done because there was just no proof that Hungary were that good back then. But in terms of players, like I don't know if you've ever heard of a player called Ferenc Diak. Um, I think some of our listeners might be um, might know who he is. But oh. like he, here we go. Oh, um, this, is beautiful, he, this is a beautiful spell here coming up in the next three or four minutes. But yeah, f- finish your thought there. Cause I yeah, to that. sorry. Sorry, um, yeah, Ferenc Diak. Look at his goal-scoring record. Unbelievable. 28, I think, in 20. I think he only didn't score in four games and he got sent off in one of them. Like, he was almost part of this Marty Magyar team, but I think he turned to alcoholism by this point. But, like, he was unbelievable. Like, Hungarian league was unbelievable back then. Like, that's something that shouldn't be forgotten about either because there was just player after player. It was like the Premier League of its time, but just not really known about because of the European Cup, but... Um, it wasn't a European Cup, but yeah, it, it unbelievable Hungarian football was back then. Hmm. Let's not forget as well that in the in the December of this year, when Honved came back to to England to play Wolves in a friendly, that that led to eventually the European Cup starting, hmm. which obviously we know is the Champions League today. So you know, there's a, there's a huge um, that game was broadcast live on BBC as well. Yeah. Here we go, guys. This is where they they don't let him out again, and we're going to see some more brilliance right here. That should have been a penalty, I think. Yeah, and then Pushkash on the floor is just (laughs) relentless. Well, that's Hedigvitti's second um, there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, once again, well-deserved at that point, too, you know. Ref tapping him on the back. (laughs) Well played, mate. Tell, yeah, tell them, let's get started. Again, it's really <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Why are we wasting time? I'm like, oh, there's no celebration. There's no time for fun. That's enough, guys. <laughs> Gabby, you were you were saying something. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just saying, obviously, if you think that, again, no one really knew who Hungary was back back at the time when when we played this game. And, um, you know, certainly no one would have known who Budapest Honved were. And... Um, they went to to England in in the December to play a friendly against Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers, and um, despite like they were two 0 up and cruising, but Wolves came back and won three two in that game, which was seen as a, a little victory. Billy Wright was captain of of Wolves, um, but that that game led to the start of the European Cup. It was um, 
you know, so again, another another thing that Hungary's had a had a hand in. And that it's just a shame that kind of the revolution and uh, and the fallout from that kind of came around at that eight, that stage because there we go. Um, because Hungarian teams would have been a huge force. They could have, they could have stopped Real Madrid winning the five that they did at the start of that. Yeah. Game. Like if if Honved were the force that they were in the early fifties, uh, in the late fifties instead, when the European Cup was around, then they could have maybe, well, they could have gobbled up the five. To be fair, because Pushkash wouldn't have been in that Hungary in that Real Madrid side, would he? He'd been in the Honved side. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah. Pushkas went on to get capped by Spain as well. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Played another World Cup. What's the best um what's the best Pushkas story you've heard? Because obviously like parents and everything like that love to um love to tell you stories. What's the best one you've heard, Tom? Oh, I can't Tom, remember t- it from t- the. T- take it a second to think about it because we're about to see one of Pushkas's yeah, moments here. Me to, to, to think of that. Because <laughs> uh, this, this is one of the best goals um, you're about to see. If you've never watched this game and you don't know anything about it, um, look at that here. run from Budai, by the way. Um, nice tackle, too, to be fair. Yeah, it was, to be fair. <laughs> but here look again, that. I don't think they're able to get out it's too far. Yeah, that would avoid the that would avoid the fans in the stand, wouldn't it? Yeah, they're coming back and then nope, shut down. So here's here's the beginning. Look at this perfect pass. Right, or uh, th- this looks like it's getting away. Chase down. You know. So here we go. It's dead air, but we're expecting all of you listeners to be watching this game. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, well, because I know what's coming, and it's right. just phenomenal. Pass by Budai. That's onside, barely. Is that coach? The... Oh, there you go. Just <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. If you, even if you're not, celebration. <laughs> even if you're not watching the game, just look at that goal on YouTube. Look at the highlights on YouTube. Mm. Like, even... Well, for its time, it's unbelievable. But even now, it's just class. So good. Yeah, that'd be a meme today. Um, yeah, yeah. You know? It would just be Billy Wright just sliding. <laughs> Into and another would, postal zone. Do you know that? What, what's that video where it's got that stupid, um, that stupid music and then they're just, the person is just flying through like space and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Well, did they said that it was like Billy Wright was like a fire engine going to the wrong fire or something like yeah, that? Yes, that's, that's the one. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he ended up in another uh, another area code at that point. He was so far. Away. They need to um, they need to sort of replace that. Uh, sure. That's your challenge now, though, Tom, to make a meme of that going. going yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I reckon probably a meme generator that you can do it. Yeah. Just add flames to him as he's going by, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ball turning into an inferno as it hits the top of the net. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think it's rude to say, but oh, God. Um, what's Groshich doing there? Jesus. He um, that one, didn't he? 
Well, this is like rugby. <laughs> He's being chased down like a like a fly hat. He's played a great ball. Yeah. No foul there. I don't know what you had to do to get a foul in those days as well. Is and how they weren't more broken legs. Yeah. Uh, there's there's one play where um, uh, what's his name George George Robb gets like hauled down. Uh, in the second half, and and there's no call, and I'm like, and he's not complaining. It's amazing. <laughs> there you as well. See a lot of that. Here comes another. Um, I think they get a free kick up coming up here. Oh, maybe maybe it's still another minute or so. But is it true that um, I had heard a story that uh, um, Pushkas didn't like to head the ball or wasn't necessarily very good at it? Uh, yeah. I- Quite rare scored them. Yeah, I can't think. I can't see him really being in those positions to get to get the headers anyway, really. But Kosic was was um, famous for his headers, wasn't he? Mm. His goal scoring record is also unbelievable. Like up there with Pushkash's, his goal scoring mm. record at international level. Uh, let me try and bring it up. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's ridiculous. Uh, 75 in 68 games, which you, you'd take that probably. Um, he scored 153 in 145 for Hanved, 111 in 184 for Barcelona. Ridiculous. Wow. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right, gents. This is this is 3-1 here. And this is just a, another... Um, look how quick the restart is here. The ball barely stops rolling. Everyone's no still moving. And a little back heel off the inside <laughs> of the post. And that's good stuff. This 3-1 here. And what are we, 24 minutes into the game? 4-1, four, four, isn't it? 4? Uh, that's 3-1, I think. Is it? Oh, yeah, it's 4-1. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. What am I thinking? I'm already losing track. I know, yeah. because <laughs> You don't see a replay, do you? You just... No, just starts up again. That's, that's yeah. what it is. There's Referee no score. Players, player who scored on the back. That's it. That's how you know it's a goal. Gross just th- throwing the ball like a beach ball at the beach. You know, yeah. there's no. It's just funny. It's just, everything is so different. It's, it is in England, Hungary. Fine forward again. Look at him. Oh, Honestly, this is. It's ridiculous how much better Hungary are in this. Mm-hmm. Like in, in terms of the style of play, the tactics, but in terms of individual quality, England looks shocking. Like really, the players just look bad. It takes them a long time to get the ball down and play, and <laughs> then they usually just give it away. Yeah. And there they go. Hungary are going again. It's flying out. Is mid-season as well, isn't it? It's not like it's yeah. a, a you know out-of-season game. They're all playing football for their league clubs, and you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 it's Hungary are the away side as well. Look at this. They just they have nowhere to go. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what the England fans would be at now, like. You're either really angry at what you'd seen from England, but you might just be like, you, you probably, if you're used to seeing this England side all the time and their tactics, their ability, and you see this Hungary side, no wonder they think it's another world. 
because it's just it's night and day. If you're <laughs> used to seeing this all the time, you must think that these guys are like they come from the future. Here's Grochek's first real contribution here as he gets up and knocks away Alf Ramsey's long free kick here. That could have been dangerous, but quality keeping it. Yeah. They push. Look at that. That is that's proper centre forward play. That yeah. They said that we were like we might as well have been have been from Mars. Yeah, you can tell why though. You really can because, like I say, you wouldn't have seen these um, much foreign football at all. You'd have only seen what you go to see on a Saturday or what you see from highlights on yeah. TV. Or you you wouldn't have seen anything like this. It's it's just incredible. I think yeah, you can't overstate it enough just how incredible this is and that's why that's why it is talked about as the match of the century especially from an English perspective because it nothing would have been seen like this before and probably never since like England have never been battered like this at home since or before and then when they got battered 7-1 a year later that still remains the highest ever loss for for England like it's crazy but you know look at what we went on to do by beating brazil germany 8-3 yeah in the world cup group game 8-3 <laughs> all right the final is the final and the result says that we lost 3-2 but you know we, we all know why we lost that game 3-2 um yeah. uruguay were big big team back then as well yeah, Stop. holders, I think, weren't they? Or, no, I don't think, but I think Brazil were the holders, weren't they? But Uruguay obviously up there and stuff. Yeah. So, like, we were absolutely demolishing teams. Oh, no, sorry. Uruguay were the holders and they beat yeah, Brazil they in the final before, yeah. Wow. And, we beat, and Hungary beat the two, yeah, two finalists from the time before. <laughs> and obviously in that final, Hungary were 2-0 up inside like eight minutes yeah <laughs> yeah it can't be overstated just how good I mean it's obviously legendary and everyone knows how good Hungary were but like, it shouldn't be forgotten just how good it, it wasn't kind of a, a fluky team that stumbled its way to the final or it wasn't just a team that like, had moments they were just incredible like, yeah, there's nothing there's nothing anything. lucky about any of this stuff, and you know we're, we're we're I mean we're watching a huge change in the way the game is being played, and that people people watching this. I mean, first you have a hundred thousand people there, and word gets out quickly. And um, you guys were saying about uh, Kokshish, his uh, penchant for headers here. We're about to see it, another one here that should have been another goal. And, you know, we're talking with, with the offside goal that was ruled out. This should be 5-1. Yeah. An, yeah. Another, They had another chance that should have been 6-1. to one. This should be 7-1 to one right here. <laughs> but I, with a uh, with a corner coming up here, I don't know if you guys are still on the same with me, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. free header right here, right at the keeper. That should be, you know, yeah. probably another one. So it's just it's, it's men, men, men among boys, right? You can <laughs> tell Hungary have kind of... In the past two or three minutes they're kind of slowing the game down a bit as well because I think they've just realised how easy it is that, that, like even 
in the final third they're just passing it around with such composure and um if it what a big draw it was like the fact the fact uh, that 105,000 people turned up to watch England play Hungary that they knew nothing about. Yeah. Imagine what what would England v San Marino get at, at Wembley? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whoever turned up today and thought, yeah, you know, I need, need to go and see this. Wow. Yeah. Treated. <laughs> to say that I was there. And look at this again. It's just relentless. Well, I mean, if this had been a World Cup game, like that 8-3, for example, or the 9-0 that Hungary also beat South Korea, this could have been about 10. If this was a World Cup game where Hungary were literally just going at it for the whole game, because as we spoke about earlier, like at about 50 minutes, Hungary just slowed the game down because mm-hmm. they'd won it. And I, I imagine this probably happened a lot for Hungary. And... I guess it happened a little bit in the final, like go up two goals early and just become a bit complacent because you know you're the, you're the best team in the world. That must be really hard to um, to be wary of um, when when you are so superior of just not letting it slip. Part of this here towards the end of this of the half is you see England beginning to get back on the front foot a little bit, and we're going to see Grokshish here make a pretty incredible save on. Um, on Rob it's coming up here in, in about 30 seconds, but it's it, 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 once again, it's, it's one of those moments where England might've just needed a little belief. Who knows? I mean, obviously they're, they're being outplayed out tactic um, out everything here, but there's still that opportunity for them to get the crowd into the game. Cause the crowd is out at this point. If you have the, there's just nothing but mumbling going on at this point. <laughs> here it is right here. I think it's, look at that. Just that is class, isn't it? That, that way. I mean, that's just, yeah, it's just great. So that's one of the opportunities where if the crowd gets back in the game here with, you know, 10 minutes to play in the half, who knows, you know? Yeah, maybe. I am <laughs> skeptical of their chances. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking of possibilities. I still love the distribution uh, by the goalkeepers here. So it's, good. It's, and it's quick. There's not yeah. waiting and, and pretending you're frustrated at the players for not getting into position, <laughs> yeah. holding the ball for 30 <laughs> seconds. It's as soon as they get the ball, it's over the top. They just fly forward, aren't they, Hungary? Look how much space the he's got again. Mm-hmm. Just that belief and knowing that wherever you're going to put the ball, someone's going to be there. They know exactly what each other player's going to do. Yeah. And you can see them pointing and and whereas England just don't have any of that, really. They just, well, again, one pass and England have lost it again. Whereas one pass space. and, yeah, Hungary are through the lines. Oof. Good crowd shot. <laughs> they are fuming. <laughs> Some old lady that's, yeah, going through their nuts. <laughs> and here's the, here's the second goal. Oh, and scoring. Basically like the first that was, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, they got different angles. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of uh, hashed this up a little bit here. Maybe they just weren't that interested in, in, England's, in England's second goal. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, um, 
Imagine I think they it. did lose some footage. I think that there is like lost footage in this because mm-hmm. if you look at the time and stuff, it doesn't quite marry up. Yeah. Nice little bit there. Well, I think it's, it's just not like well, they're not putting the radio commentary on top of it. Because mm, obviously, like the commentary that you hear on this is like quite famous for being um, like there's there's some quite good films that that have this as the background of it, like Hungarian language films. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like the famous commentary that you can hear them all sort of listening to on the <laughs> on the wireless. Nice. <laughs> yeah, because I, I imagine this w- probably wouldn't have been broadcast on TV, would it? I don't know. No, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Like I say, I, possibly because say that that um, well, unless that hundred at Wolves was on BBC because of this game, because of the. Oh, sorry, I meant in in Hungary, would it? Have been oh, broadcast? sorry, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, so yeah. It was radio. Yeah, yeah. I guess they maybe showed it like a few years later or something. Would the World Cup final have been on TV? You'd think, Uh, right? Yeah, I guess so. I don't really know like what from the from the World Cup the footage is is much, much better than this, obviously, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just don't know how much how many people would have had TVs in the home back then really no communist times remember yeah yeah <laughs> Jesus yeah but and this then, is like, the best oh, this is the best propaganda you can you can do at this point you know socialist yeah it's propaganda wow yeah. I mean, you've got the you've got the socialist regime destroying British imperialism right here yeah. why wouldn't you put this on tv another beautiful chance shot wide i mean i i keep saying that budai's been class but his finishing's not been good no <laughs> he could he could have had about four himself getting yeah. in great positions though yeah i think maybe that's why his goal scoring record wasn't as good as the other guys but um but yeah he's he's, he's always in the right position he just if he had um had hit a goofy shot he could he could have had himself three or four already there's a point here. I love it. Uh, Grok just uh, the ball comes in deep here, and you know people say that he was like the original sweeper keeper. I'm sure everyone calls him that. But here's a long ball that comes in, and he just bollies it, bollies <laughs> it away. It's, yeah. Here, here it comes right here. I think this is it. He just. <laughs> <laughs> there's a um, there's a there's this, uh, English commentary, uh, famous English commentary about that moment. I think it's just like. I think the guy who's commentating is just so startled by what he's just seen. He's like, yeah. have you seen anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's just, yeah, sweeper keeper, what we see pretty much every week now, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it's just, yeah. just so ahead of its time. Yeah. I, Grosic was Lev Yashin's hero. Um, I think Lev Yashin based a lot of his game on, on Grosic. Like, there's just even... Even from the goalkeeper, like these guys were trendsetters. Mercy. Oh, poor pass. Just gets worse and worse for England, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think you can tell the youth on 
on the side as well. Like the pace that Hungary play with, the pace that they attack with, it's just so different. And do you, know, I, do you know, I just there was something that that I just remember saying about Grossi. You remember, I just had to look it up to make sure I haven't dreamt it. But remember, he he wasn't allowed to sign for um for Ferenc Varos um mm-hmm. years and years and years ago. So it was in 2008 they gave him the chance to play for them, um and he was 82 years old and he he performed the kickoff and then was substituted as the crowd gave him a standing event. I do remember that. Yeah, I think I think Macabe was. Uh, chairman back then one year. Yeah, exactly. It was was against Sheffield United or something. Yeah, it was. It was. Jesus. There's an interesting moment just uh, about 20 seconds ago where um, Boschek looks like he fouls Mortensen in the box and it's waved away by the by the ref, the Dutch ref. Yeah, I thought that was a pen. Yeah, it definitely looks like a pen and I'm wondering if uh, that was done to make up for the offside goal. Yeah, maybe even things out. That would have been 4-3. Yeah, it's 4-2 four two. Two at the moment. No, no, it's 4-2. Yeah, it would have been 4-3. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Half there time. We go, yeah. Okay, yeah. I wonder if they had to go and get more numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know what to do past five. <laughs> so what are we on now? We're on 43. So two minutes have been lost from that first. Well, maybe more because there was a bit of keepy-uppy at the start, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, they must have just lost the footage. I think around the England second goal, it was definitely very choppy. Yeah, yeah. People trying to get this, rid of it, maybe. This is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> piece by piece. Um, yeah, it starts to get quite foggy, I think, in this half, and quite hard to see some of the. Yeah. Foot- and here's here's England trying real hard to keep possession in the Hungary end, but um, <laughs> it doesn't last very long, does it? No. I like to see action zones like you see these days in this game. <laughs> possession and stuff like that. Heat maps. Shots. <laughs> yeah, heat maps. Yeah. Heat Stanley maps Matthews. Oh, here we go, Stanley. Oh, that's that's kind of what you expect from him all the time, yeah. is to be beating that man Antonio Valencia style. Great little pluck by Brosic there. Yeah, and then he's having to run away from the strike. It's trying to take him out. <laughs> he should bring that back. It's class. Hungary yes. aren't doing it, you see. Look. They kind of just leave the keeper. Yeah. You're going to see Grosic here with another beautiful, not maybe not as beautiful as the one against Rob, but um, he does kind of save the day here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the whole team, isn't it? I mean, everyone just seems to outshine their opposite number. Mm. Not been too impressed with um, with Shibo. He had a I couple think... moments in the first half early. Yeah. yeah I think was... maybe it's because he's on the far side. So Stanley trying bias. to make things happen here. Yeah, they've been given a rocket at halftime, haven't they, by Walter Winterbottom? Oh. <laughs> gonna lose his job and this is here the, the, here here's the interesting thing i was telling you about he's done the same thing sorry yeah. no no it's just uh we're gonna see mortensen try i think a diving header here um or something that gets on on goal and then they're, they're gonna attempt to carry him off 
<laughs> laying there, and it's just bizarre. Right here, watch. See that? There's a beautiful Safe. save. And you see a player laying down the ground. Now watch this. There's two. There's third. <laughs> oh, yeah. And look, there's Mortensen just laying there. And the <laughs> they play playing. Out. Now watch this. This is so bizarre, Gabby. I want, I want your play-by-play here. Ready? And here we go. Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> that is clearly, that's like, he's clearly sport. You, you're not a football player at all because we're hammering you. So you must be a pitcher. <laughs> so we're going to get a security. Oh, my God. Just threw him off uh, the pitch. Give him a bag. He'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> he looks, he looks like unconscious. Oh, yeah, he gets back in the game, though. He's like semi-conscious. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's enough of that, mate. <laughs> Maybe they thought he was diving. Oh, that's just so bizarre to me. I mean, can you imagine? You know, um, Neymar. support his head. What? Imagine Nothing that's Neymar on the floor. And, yeah. Noya oh, goes up to him and picks him up like that. Come There's on. Mortensen again. He's already back in, you know, chasing the ball down. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder all these players have got dementia and stuff. Jeez. <laughs> Is it weird to see the goalkeeper pick up the ball and a back pass too? Yeah, no, yeah, you forget about that, don't you? Look at that. You know what? It used to be like it used to be the greatest way to waste time. Keeper would pick it up, bounce it three times, hold on to it, roll it down, kick it upfield. It wastes so much time, but we're not we're not even using that as a tactic here at all. Fuck like oh, it's no. a potato. I think it was the 1990 World Cup, or they that that was it. And there's so many nil-nil, one-one draws because of all the time wasting. Mm. I just that was on Dave... today actually on the on English TV, the um, England versus West Germany game. Oh, so oh well. Okay, this, this looks is... like a nuclear bomb just blew up. From the... <laughs> yeah. Look at that. This all is a radioactive communist radio waves trying to, <laughs> trying to brainwash everyone. <laughs> I think we're getting close to the uh, fifth goal here. Oh, nice little ball played in. It's really nice. Here we go. There it is. Off the post. Oh, great save. Here comes Boschik. Ready? Unstoppable. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so fast the clip cameraman didn't even try. Right. <laughs> don't don't think you'll you'll ever see that on a highlight because he was so quick on the draw that they didn't even get the goal. <laughs> Excellent. I wonder if he knew at that stage he'd have a stadium named after him that a rubbish football team would play in. <laughs> <laughs> are, they, are they calling it the new Boshik Joseph Stadium? I, I hope not. I hope they just keep the keep the name because, you know, no one's like gonna have the wall pulled over their eyes and think that they're in the old one. So just yeah. just yeah, just keep keep it like that. I hope so. I really hope so. As long as it's not the Tesco Arena or the Walmart Arena. Oh my God! Something you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't that many name changes for a while. Like Hungarian clubs change names at the drop of a hat, but we yeah. haven't. Seem to be a bit stable with that at a minute. Viddy, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, but in terms of sponsors rather yeah. than... Yeah, like, need some more, like, mega, mega forces and stuff, yeah. don't we? <laughs> for, all, for as long as I can remember, it was like, 
it was Teva, wasn't it? DVS, yeah. the yeah. pharmaceutical company. But yeah, and what is it? Kish Kishvada Master Good or something like that now, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I hate that. Uh, Ho- Ho- Holly as well. We're called Swiletsky. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that is amazing. The clubs actually changed their name because of a sponsor. <laughs> hey, if you're paying times. that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Desperate yes. times, eh? Oh, look at that ball. Yeah, Push cash again. Yeah, we're coming up to the point where um, this game pretty much is over, guys. Um, <laughs> the the sixth and final goal is probably the, the prettiest of them all. When you know, talking about total football, and I think there's eight to nine passes touches before. Um, Hidaguti gets his uh, hat trick, and it is just gorgeous. You know, it's it's it, and at that point, it just seems like everything shuts down. It's over. One hundred five thousand people turn into what sixty thousand, probably. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> yeah. tough to get back on the tube that night. Yeah, of people, you've ruined their supper. <laughs> <laughs> Those men from bars have come and ruined our kid. Oh, look at that! Is that was a great again. Movie. It is. It's just class, isn't it? Oh, sorry, spoke too soon. That's good. Sometimes words just can't. It's <laughs> fun watching it and yeah. poetry and motion here. All right, this is this is where it begins, guys. Right here. Yeah. There's one, two, three. This little ball here. Four. Me, isn't it? Five, six, lovely. seven, and this push goes here, right? Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just unbiblical at this point. Crazy. It's like Crazy. when you give your sister the FIFA controller and she pushes one button and scores that goal against her. <laughs> <laughs> and the time the time Pushkas has to control the ball and then just lob it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Nobody around him. Are they either tired or disinterested or what? But I mean, golly. But you just don't see that kind of goal, that kind of pass these days. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the precision to play that ball is just deli- it's so delicate. It's just class. So well, it's just point, take my... 53 minutes gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Krosic still hurrying up his kicks to get it forward. <laughs> They want 10. I'm sure at yeah. half they were thinking we could score 10 against these guys. They should have, yeah, they should have just kept annihilating. That's what Shebe should have said. He's just, just go and embarrass these guys. Yeah. Well, I think they, they succeeded in embarrassing them, but it could have been much worse. You know? Yeah. Could have humiliated them. Oh, there we I go. Think it's another That's, chance here. Oh, well, <laughs> that could have been nine. Be fair. Brave, <laughs> brave keeping. Well, with this game petering out, and we know that uh, England get, does get one more later on um, from the penalty spot, with uh, Groshek's probably leaving because of an injured injury. I think, I think that's the only substitution in the entire game is just um, him leaving with about I don't know 10 minutes to play or something like that. Um, let's look to the aftermath of this game as we're watching. Um, Hungry here, continue to dominate. What What do you guys feel 
really came about after this game from the just the whole culture to the way teams and we talked a little bit about it about how teams have um adapted and all that and this was maybe the turning point to that but what what are your what, what are your thoughts so um in terms of the way that i think football was analyzed in in kind of I think they call it the Danubian school because um, Austria were also a massive, massive football force back then. They had the the the, the wonder team they called them, and they were big in the 40s and 30s. And I said, obviously Hungary were really good back then, but Austria were equally as good. And every time Austria and Hungary played after they broke up, they were they were all amazing games, and they were two of the best teams in the world. Um, but the way that they analyzed and kind of treated football in um in those countries was very different to the way that um english people kind of analyzed it and still do i think to a point um they england have kind of been um always kind of treated it as like a pub thing and you go to the pub and you talk about it you have a few pints uh it's not kind of an intellectual kind of um sport whereas in hungary and um in austria back then it it very was it was kind of a, an intellectual pursuit and like um like coffee shops and stuff were kind of the places where football was discussed so uh, jonathan wilson talks about it really well in his book and uh in uh behind the iron curtain um that the the tactics were kind of discussed around coffee tables um guys just with the um with the sorry alf ramsey's just scored <laughs> in the uh in the game they're watching after an awful mistake by grochich yeah. um the the formations and the tactics were kind of written down and discussed in in small groups whereas in that culture in england didn't really exist and maybe it still doesn't is, is exist today and I think only now in this country, with the um, in this country being England, um, with the rise of the internet, are people kind of pursuing it in an intellectual way again? And and people might see that as boring. Like some people might think that like tactics nerds and stats nerds are a, a boring way of looking at it. But it, th- th- there needs to be a room. F- there needs to be room for that. I think. I find. I think. Um, just because it takes the game forward it it develops it and the way that english football's come on over the last 10 years has been almost down to the fact that it's been intellectualized whereas that was the case in the 30s the 40s the 50s in within hungary and 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 to a lesser extent austria as well uh, and i think that was kind of the cultural difference back then and probably still today as well Gabby, you still with us? I am. I'm just just looking at this. Um, I'm still sort of keeping an eye on the, on the game here. And Tom's summed that up absolutely beautifully. It's um, yeah, I, I couldn't do those words any justice at all. That's just perfect. Uh, just, uh, I, I've obviously learned all this from mostly from Jonathan Wilson. Like, you have got to read his books. Like I say, the, the names heard long ago is is a classic. Um, which only came out like a year ago and behind the iron curtain it's not all about Hungarian football but it's mostly behind um, talking about communist football um, and it's 
there's a a whole chapter on how how has he missed that? Is that <laughs> Buddha again? That's eleven, I think, guys. That that would have been eleven. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and behind the Iron Curtain, you've um, yeah, you've got to read that. Even if you just read the um, the chapter on Hungary alone, is is class. It's it's great for all that history stuff. Um, there's a couple of other books out there on Hungarian football history, which um, in English. There's one that came out last year, which I'll tell you to swerve. It's called The Mighty Magyars. It's, um, it's, it's supposed to be a non-fiction book, but it's got a lot of fictionalized um, stuff in there. It's kind of half-truths. Um, I'd avoid that one. Um, but Herbstein, um, the one written by Dominic Bliss, is is class. Like um, I couldn't believe how good that was in terms of how much background it gave you into Hungarian football at the time. And also, if I can imagine there's a lot of Hungarian-Americans listening, um, it's great for American football history. Like There's uh, some really interesting um, cultural references in there. Um, it, it, yeah, it's really good for both, both Hungarian and um, American football history. And also, um, David Bolkova's book about uh, Bela Gutmann. Um, another Hungarian coach who was unbelievable ahead of his time um, who won the uh, European Cup back-to-back with Benfica last ever coach to win the um, the um, Europe, uh, a, a European trophy with Benfica back in the early no late 60s I think when Eusebio was there um, maybe early 60s um, I think they might have been the first team to take it off Real Madrid um, another great book, um, and Bella Gutmann and Erbstein were both Holocaust survivors as well, so their story is even more interesting. And that's kind of a thing at which Hungarian football also really struggled with after World War Two, is that so many of that population, coaches in terms of um, Erbstein and Gutmann are just two examples, and players were decimated after the war, and obviously. Um, the Hungarian Jewish population was was were a lot of Hungary's leading lights in like academia as well as foot in t- in terms of sport as well and and that was yeah decimated so for Hungary to still be at the top of the sport after World War Two after what had happened to Hungary ravaged by the war um, yeah it's it's incredible. Tom, you mentioned Jonathan Wilson's books, and I know Inverting the Pyramid was the first one I ever uh, read, and I, I feel like that book really does capture the the change in in tactics and there, the chapter in there of how just how unprepared England was before this game and how things changed afterwards. I think is is really good um, as well, but um, it might just be a good idea for us to to get a list of these books and put them in the in the show notes for people who are interested. Eh? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, like, yeah, I didn't even mention inverting the pyramid, but that's a book all about tactics from kind of the day one and and how it's kind of um, progressed. And yeah, that goes into a lot of a lot of uh, about Austria um, and a lot about Hungary, obviously as well. So it's, yeah. 100% re- any anyone looking for a football book to read during this weird time definitely recommend that and <laughs> anything that Jonathan Wilson writes is is uh research to the nth degree it's it's yeah it's just class he's just uh I don't know guess the guess best person 
um, about writing about niche um, football, really. I hate mentioning this, um, or at least admitting this, but um, I am watching the English game on Netflix. Um, but there's yeah, there's, what's that like? Is that good? It's really good. I was, I mean, there's a lot of drama and, and a lot of other stuff. That it, it's just really, uh, to me, it's good. I, I wish I knew the history better to see if it was um, accurate. But it starts with the the old Etonians winning the the FA Cup and you know the mill towns kind of coming to power, not to power, but at least you know getting the opportunity to be able to play some of these um, upper crust teams. And um, there's a, a fellow from Partick that comes down and plays for Darwin FC. And he's talking to the mill manager, who's kind of the owner of the club. And, and he's explaining to him, we're going to play a certain tactic. And the, and the guy looks at him and he says, we always play six up front. And the, and the, and the guy's name is Fergus, looks at him and he goes, there's no always. He says, at least not in sport. And I thought, I mean, it was such an interesting point of the English arrogance of this is what we do, you know, and we'll always play this way because we popularize this game. We This is our game, you know, and it's only you know, they realize that you have to adapt, that you're going to, you know, evolve with where that game is going. And I just thought it was interesting watching that and then watching this game. And to be honest, it's the first time I ever saw this game. I watched it yesterday and it just, it blew me away just how cohesive that was. Yeah. And I feel that that attitude lasted um, a lot longer than, um, because people say that this woke English football up and it did, but I don't think it completely woke it up. Like obviously England ended up winning the world cup 12 years later and this game had a massive part to play, but maybe that World Cup, the winning World Cup, maybe set England back a little bit again because they definitely developed a, a, a kind of arrogance after that, after that win, because we saw it. Well, when I was growing up, there was always an arrogance about England, and even when everyone was playing four-three-three and change and playing a lot more flexible formations and stuff, England was still playing four-four-two with basically four centre midfielders. Um, lack of flexibility, um, kind of lack of pace, lack of individual quality. Um, England have always, 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 always struggled where they've tried to, um, you know, he can't play with him and and, and that, that they've always had really good players but have struggled to find places for them to play. Yeah. And they've some huge really really important sort of club players that have been phenomenal but they're just like we can't fit you in instead of changing something to make them fit in look at that whole hard Gerard thing and everything like that you know it's it's something that's just never gone away from English football exactly and like that's what like this Hungarian team were already doing back in the 40s or 50s like I mentioned Ferenc Diak earlier like he was an unbelievable goal scorer in, in the Hungarian league for Hungary, but because he just didn't really fit in to the team the same way as Hidaguti did, like Hidaguti would, would drop off and create space. And whereas Diak was more of a poacher, like they, they didn't play Diak. And then he fell out of favor and fell out with kind of the management and stuff. Whereas like you say, Gabby, like England was still playing Frank, Lampard and Steven Gerrard in the same midfield even though it hadn't worked 
like 50 years later. Yeah. And it's kind of, and it's weird as well where the the press have always picked England's team for them. It's yeah. only recently under Southgate that that looked like it's kind of changed with the with the youngsters he's brought in and mixed it up, but that's always been like a, a major, major problem for him. Yeah, and it does feel like, in term, I know it's not an English football podcast, but it does feel like England are maybe turning a corner a little bit at the moment. They've they've kind of got these players like Jaden Sancho going away to Germany to learn his trade, and he's a very good individual talent. There's there's so many individual like quality players, um, which you don't really associate with England that much. And like you say, Southgate's building a team which is more of a team than just a, a team full of individuals cobbled together. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's good it's good for English football that this is happening and all the young young players coming through and stuff. It's quite an exciting time, I think. Mm, definitely, guys. We've got a couple of. Uh questions from our twitter folks um i don't i don't know if you have them there do you have them in front of you i don't no i not myself no okay give me give me one second i know i've, I've got them here um but uh um but first of all I, I think i think we've we've done fairly well in getting a little more interest in this with the pandemic of course <laughs> our our <laughs> Our viewers have just climbed. I think people are just bored as all get out, and all of a sudden, we're um, we're getting we're getting people actually listening, which is fun. I, I'm guessing it's really more of you guys being around. Um, that's uh, the main thing. Uh, let me see. There's a let's see. Uh, all right, first question that I can find. Do you think there's still a typical Hungarian style? Um, or should we follow other European methods? Whew. Who asked this? <laughs> Who asked this? Sergo Andras. Oh, it wasn't Baron Stork. <laughs> um, I don't feel like there is anymore. I really don't. Um, I think it's long gone that there's a Hungarian style. I think early 90s you probably saw a very workman-like side and, and I, yeah I, I, I don't think there is um should we follow european methods though i think for sure i think the method that we should be um kind of following myself would be like atletico madrid kind of style um very um very defensive but very uh high tempo crazy pressure like almost like a team full of my puck guys just um harassing playing short passes um defending deep um nasty i just don't feel like we've got that much nastiness in in, in us to be fair but like it comes out at times you see in that croatia game you see like the spirit and stuff that's how i'd play my team i think I think Rossi's kind of got the similar personality as Simeone, not as quite as much as a bastard, but he is—he's got a nasty side to him, um, which I think is good, and I think and I think that kind of rubs off a little bit um, on the players. I feel like we have a lot of placid characters, 
Um, I th and I think they can be a bit nasty. And I think if we were to follow anyone's method, I would say someone like Atletico Madrid or, um, yeah, I think they're kind of like the peak of what they do. Um, where does Gulashi rank among the top Hungarian goalkeepers of all time? We haven't had that many goalkeepers, to be fair. That have, you get you get the number one slot, you're normally good to go, aren't you? You know, mm. um, Kirai is unbelievable the way his career has been for Hungary. Peter Distel, yeah. uh, we've had some great, great goalkeepers. We really, really have. Um, but as Tom mentioned on the last pod. International, not good. League, fantastic. So, best Hungarian goalkeeper playing league football, he's right up there. Best Hungarian playing international football, not even close for me. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I mean, you've, you've got even like keepers of the 90s, Martin Fullop would be ahead. Yeah. God rest his soul. But um, I think he'd be ahead of... Galachi, well, that was certainly ahead of Galachi at the moment. But yeah, like you say, you think at club level, he'd, he'd probably be up there already. Um, Groshich as well, like, I guess it goes without saying, obviously, he's going to be up there as well. All right, that was from Michael B. He had a second question Is Chaba Bukta considered a massive prospect? I guess he's playing for Leafering. Um, yeah. And will he make his way into the first team like Sobosly or just one of many? Uh, keep, right? Yeah, I've been keeping an eye on him. He's kind of in and out of the Leafering team. He doesn't play that much. For, he's not like in every Hungary um, underage squad, which I find a little bit peculiar. I think he's one of many. I've not seen much to excite me so far. There's another lad that. Um, Red Bull Salzburg as well who's Hungarian I forgot his name I'm going to have to look him up um, I think he's quite highly touted I know uh, Mochoselli did a piece on him not long ago um, uh, kind of looking into his career and stuff and where he's at I don't know his name though I'm going to have to look him up well that goes along with David Dolak's question which is put together a team of the top prospects including Sobosly mixed with four or five current first-team players, and how does that team do over the next eight years compared to the past eight to ten years? Great question there. Oh, man. Um, I, don't think the, I don't think the future's that bright, to be fair. Sorry to be... Uh, what is this defender doing in this game, by the way? <laughs> Are we still watching? I, I'm kind of watching out of the corner of my eye, yeah, but... Like he just tried an American uh, football tackle right there. Yeah. He, uh, oh, and how's that not a free gig or penalty? <laughs> <laughs> the guy just completely <laughs> left. I think it was Shebor went onto the line instead, and then ended up blocking it on the line. Genius defending, but unconventional. Um, in terms of how the uh, Hungarian team will, I don't think it's that exciting at all. I mean, you think back to. Um, the team that came through uh, and played in the World Cup, uh, under-20 World Cup, I think it was 
the team that had like Bench Mervo, uh, Adam Nodge, Klein Heisler, um, uh, a couple of other real talents like that. That squad was very good. Um, and then you have, and on top of that, they had you, you had the 2009 boys, your Galachis, your Cardars, your Nemets. Um, I think Steber was from that generation. I don't know if he played in that tournament. Uh, Roland Varga. You had two very good squads um, kind of merging into one. You had two generations, essentially. Um, I don't feel you have that at the moment. Like, Obviously, the boys got to the, the last World Cup and did well, but I don't know how many talents are in that squad. It's actually, that was under 17 World Cup as well, wasn't it? So it's not quite the same as under right. 20 World Cup. Um, I mean, they, if those boys go on to make a World Cup, the, the same um, guys, then I think maybe there might be a little bit of hope. But I just feel like Sobos is the only one at the moment. I don't feel like there's many others who are that excited to be um, that exciting. Um, hmm. but you never know hmm. I, I feel that's going to be a drop off though like um, you you back four is kind of oldish like you've got all, all what is all band 26, 27 cut off 30 ish uh, Barat 30 ish um, there's not much coming through in defence um and Besher, I guess, another under-20 World Cup player. Um, yeah, I don't know. You might disagree, too. No, I, I agree with you totally. And it's that whole, you know, this this mentality that the, that the youngsters seem to have. If they get if they get taken to a, a club abroad, whether it be, you know, Austria or wherever they tend to go, and they're going to be earning decent money, um if it doesn't work out for them there, they've just got that attitude that I'll go and play football back in Hungary. Nothing's going to be expected of me there and I'll still earn half decent money for, for kicking a football about. So it's like almost as if they're, they're just sitting back and having that payday before it don't work out for them ultimately. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, they feel like they've made it a little bit when that's, the first step like you've you've made that bit great now it's time to really kick on essentially you you don't you don't become a uh, a superstar you don't become a first teamer by just signing for the club um you see you, you see a lot of random ones pop up in england there was a couple of young lads at stoke um yeah if zereto who's gone back to Froddy. um yeah and they just they don't seem to make it maybe they're not good enough maybe they've not got the right mentality maybe they've not got the look that they need to get into the first team whatever it is it's it's it, i think it's quite yeah sorry some of, some of the clubs in england had tapped into that was it liverpool had a had a link up with uh mt car didn't they yeah yeah exactly you know trying to tap into the talent mm-hmm. and clearly that's you know hoping that that's going to be the next best thing but it's not quite the same as having like young Ajax or something like that as feeding players into you as they soon sort of realised. Yeah. And that, that... Speaking of, of Stoke, uh, th- th- this is just a random 
piece of trivia that I found out while I was doing a little research on this game. Um, Stanley Matthews, obviously, who played for them. Did you know that his ashes are buried under the center circle at Stokes Britannia Stadium? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. But, you know, worse has been done, I guess. I don't know. He, I think he played till he was like 48 or something, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's 38 in this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Still looks good, too. The, the, yeah, he's one of the better players England have got, I think. Yeah. I'm watching the end here, guys, and it's, I mean, they're they're not even pushing up anymore. And every ball that's going in is not being claimed by by Merrick. I mean, it's just, this looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, and Hungary aren't really like playing that properly. It's completely either. empty, doesn't it? Oh, oh a what a save! <laughs> <laughs> Push guys just running it all again. Oh, this is crazy. That should have been 12, I think. I'm, I'm trying to count, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really, really horrible. Yeah, I'd like to see the uh, the stat of uh, big chances or whatever they call it, like big chances created or whatever, because it yeah. must be 15, 20. I, think I saw 35 shots on for Hungary to five for England. Oh my I could God. be wrong, but I mean, that was. Feels like it. It's horrible. <laughs> it's just devastating isn't it that this is all we have to cling on to yeah <laughs> that was you know when we got to the 2016 euros that was just that was all this being lifted from our shoulders wasn't it mm-hmm. and still a slim possibility that the next euros if they're ever played that uh, Hungary can get in if they can get past Bulgaria. Yeah, and do you know what? They've got a real good chance of doing that. Mm. By chance, I mean, Bulgaria pretty much like the same as Hungary are now because mostly domestic-based players, aren't they, that are, that are in that team. Um, they've had some horrible results. I, I think I, that's a game we could definitely get something from. Yeah, definitely. Do you see the? Um, I saw Bulgaria play against England. Do you know that game when the Bulgarians are being really racist? Yeah, yes, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were like away from the football, uh, away from the stands. They were awful. Like they were like San Marino bad. They were shocking. Mm-hmm. I and if if they play anywhere near like that, like Hungary will beat them three or four. Like, they probably won't be that bad again. And they maybe like what was going on in the sand was like in their heads a little bit, but they were shocking, really bad. Gail, if you're watching um, here at the end, if you're watching this game, that was a Dosko penalty, I think. Um, I think that was Hideguti who had just gone through seemingly free from the last defender and he gets hauled down, no call again. So that should have been 13 goals for the. <laughs> for Hungary. I mean, it's just—it's amazing. Completely barely, switched off at this point. England have barely been in Hungary's half for the last well, last twenty minutes, by the looks of it. Yeah. And this isn't—this um, this isn't even one of our. It's a don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic performance, but look at what we went to do. Went on to do at the World Cup, and they were arguably much better performances than this as well. 
just completely annihilating teams, like in real, not friendly, in a, in a World Cup, and yeah. big teams as well. And we were just destroying them. Yeah, literally. At what point um, do you think Eng- England are just saying, you know, it's just a friendly? <laughs> yeah, probably. Let's, let's let's try not to look like we really care because uh, we're going to get hammered anyways. And, you know, we can do plausible deniability by saying it's just a friendly. <laughs> no, I don't think that happened. But still, I mean, it's really that bad at this point. Yeah, it's a shame. I'm just looking on football here and they haven't got any of the World Cup games on there, which is annoying. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've got Amazon Prime, um, but they've got all the World Cup films on there. Ah, uh, nice. You can like look back at the 54 one, and uh, they're really, really good. Really, really good to watch. Ah, sweet. Uh, I think even the 66 one's got our our group games, uh, um, Everton and all that on there as well. But yeah, they're definitely worth. If 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 you've got Prime, have a look. If not, I'm sure I can um, sort you out of a login. Yeah, that's that's something that um that people like when Brian Glanville said like I thought Brian Glanville was supposed to be a class writer. Brian Glanville says, Oh yeah, and then Hungary disappeared after the um after that game, uh, after the fifty four World Cup and basically were never seen again. That's not true at all. Like in the sixty like Hungary went on to win another Olympic gold and in the sixties like Hungary was still good. Like in that tournament, um in sixty six like Hungary knocked out Brazil in the group stage, and then Brazil had won the World Cup before that. Um, yeah, and then ended up losing to like the Soviet Union in the quarterfinals. So like, it's that. I mean, if that's disappearing from international recognition, then Jesus, <laughs> look what would he call us now? Yeah. Oh, he only made the World Cup uh, last eight in uh, twelve years later. Like Hungary, and, and none of them players would have been around back then. Like a new squad was regenerated. Hungarian football was was still like relatively decent until like seventies, eighties. They were still, like I say, they, they won another Olympic gold. That Vidyatan got to the UEFA Cup final in eighty-five. Was it? Yeah. United we, on the way. Yeah, we pushed a couple of finals. So yeah. with, um, Newcastle. So yeah, yeah they, they, were, they were still definitely um, a force, like you say. It, yeah, it wasn't just like one team just came around, and I mean, obviously, like that team were unbelievable. Like in the same way as Spain were unbelievable when they went on their incredible run and won the World Cup and stuff. But like, you, you don't say Spain have only have had one great World yeah. Cup team. They've just had a team that at that time were incredible and like a generational team but they still have have had other good teams since i think think people kind of downplay hungary's kind of history of just being like a a a one team country but they weren't they've 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 been good throughout history and it's just these last 30 years where they haven't (laughs) well this game is about to come to an end I feel like there's one more question from that uh, Andros Sergo. He said... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, are you, are you prepared for this one? What do you think about financial issues about Hungarian clubs? What kind of and how big governmental inven- uh, intervention is acceptable or clubs or should clubs uh, stand on their own feet? 
Yeah, this is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> this guy should be Chris Tarrant with his questions. <laughs> really, really good questions. I'm not, I'm not joking. It's really good. <laughs> um, that's definitely your your uh, corner, Tom. Because I I still want to go back to Hungary. Yeah, I am. Um... <laughs> All these kind of questions. <laughs> um, this is a I political think, question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, In a lot of ways. I I'll tell you what, the, the best thing to do, obviously Tom can talk talk about it brilliantly, but there's also, like, uh, if you look, there's a there's like one of those short kind of, like, cartoony things that, that you did, Tom, wasn't there? Like explaining um, the Hungarian... The money oh, in yeah. football, and that's perfect. It's kind of bite-sized, but like, really, really sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I, I would urge people to watch that. And and some people, I got a little bit of grief from that, like from like kind of the Orbanistas, the kind of people who don't take any criticism. But it, it wasn't a critical look at um, of what Orban does at all. It was kind of an explainer of what they do and and why they do it, like. Um, I, I, yeah, I tried to be as neutral as possible. I, I, in terms of kind of what I think about it, like I, I think anyone who spends the amount of any government that spends the amount of money that Hungarian government do on um, on a sport is kind of crazy when you've got so many uh, priorities ahead of ahead of sport essentially like you've got hotels which are in disrepair like you look at some of the photos from the um during the covid times and you just see like the tiles falling off the wall the elevators out of um use like there's there's priorities like health education there's so many parts of hungary and the villages and stuff which are lacking jobs lacking um lacking any industries there and there's poverty rife in in kind of um in like western and eastern hungary um i think there's just so many priorities where money should be spent first but i mean in terms of what um what it's done for hungarian football it's changed it completely like it, like i said on the last pod it's taken hungarian football to a new level um certainly um to what it's seen for maybe the past 20 years which is i guess a good thing but I mean, I'm obviously a massive football fan, so don't want to be saying, "Oh, I wish it was spent elsewhere." When that's probably a bit like hypocritical of me to say that when I basically consume it all. But I mean, there are more important things than football, which it should probably be spent on. But it's it's hard to kind of put that argument across, I guess, isn't it? If you unless you kind of step away from it and say, "Oh, I left on going football because." I left watching Hungarian football because of the money that's been spent and I should think it should be spent on the the health system and uh, well yeah I mean I, I guess everything should be shouldn't it but that's not the way that the world works really it's just like it's putting a Ferrari body kit on a on a Fiat 500 yeah literally but it's still an absolute pile of junk sorry yeah. a Fiat 500 of course but it's it's just not it, it, it it'd be different if the demand was for it like i said before it's 
it's strange if if like Luton, my my team here uh, have got planning permission for a new stadium that's going to be built. It's fantastic, but the the opposition for it was like a a shopping centre that that was in the middle of Luton. That was the only opposition for it that they had, and um, the whole the rest of the town was just completely behind businesses, industry, everything was behind Luton having a brand new football stadium. It's it's just not like that in Hungary. It's it's not because people are like say, yeah, um, everything else, social care, everything that's needed, the state of the roads. If you take a bus in some of them routes. Honestly, you'll need a chiropractor at the end of it. It's horrific. <laughs> but, you know, you, and you, the irony is you're going to be on that bus going past a, a brand new sparkly football stadium with 400 people inside it watching a top game. It's just, just, just not needed. It's clearly someone's getting rich off the back of it. Um, and it's not the Hungarian football clubs. It, it's, it's, you know, it's at top level that, that, that they're getting the, getting the money to do it. But we're just, you know, Hungarians like, the government seems to have this feeling that the, the outside world is looking at them and, and, and kind of like dripping at, look at what we've got, when they're not, they're not that stupid. But, but um, yeah, it's it's a shame. It's a real shame. And like I say, for me personally, I loved the history of, of all the old stadiums and everything like that, that, that were falling apart, but were adequate for the amount of people that were going to see it, to go and see the game and, it, these new stadiums just haven't done anything for for Hungarian football. Arguably, all right, Friday are a, a different kettle of fish. Probably the only team that could have justified having a new stadium. But you know, even Seged's got a brand new stadium. And, and what's next? Sierpok having like a, you know like a brand new stadium by the by the lake there. It's just it's just nuts to me. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, it, it feels like that. Like you say, almost like manufacturing, trying to manufacture a football culture. Because I think Seged's a really good point because the, Seged's, what, the second biggest city in Hungary? Mm. And I, I guess they're trying to just create this stadium to create a fan culture, essentially. Get Seged into the top division. Or, or maybe you could make this um, previously NB3 team a... Um, like a, a force to be reckoned with like and then oh and then we have like two um and then we have like another big club just comes through like but is is that really gonna happen like you could, you could go to barcelona you could go to paris and you could say have you heard of seged and i go oh yeah the, the handball team the famous handball team mm. absolutely yeah we know all about them what about the football team what they play football there? It's a yeah. it's a handball town. Yeah, it's, it's not going to change, is it? No, that's what they're all about. They're proud of that. It's fantastic. Whole country is proud of them. It's it, you know it, that's that's what it is. Don't don't try and um, you know don't don't try and put something there and manufacture something that that, that doesn't need to be done. They've done so much at, in Seged, like you look at their squad like they've got I remember Fraser used to love him Levante Santa in goal yeah, uh, yeah. they got David Moore they got Alexander Jovanovic Sabotch Fargo used to be at Heerenveen David Moll, who was like left back at Uyapest Peter Andorka Grumich 
They're in MB3. Uh, like, they've named the club after Grosic, like to to create like this historical feel to them. Like Grosic, did Grosic even play for them? <laughs> um, no, he didn't. Didn't even manage him. Um, okay, it's a, the club's named after him, like a bit like Pushkash FC. Um, but like you say, they're they're a handball team, and you you see in um, in England, a similar kind of thing happened with Wigan. Um, Wigan is uh, from a uh, Wigan's a very rugby town, like very well known for its rugby league. Maybe not around the world, but certainly in England, like um, you go there and and it's all rugby league. Like the the stadium was built for rugby league. Like twenty five thousand seat stadium was built for rugby league, but then they got loads of money and then they became a football club. Uh, they got their football club into the Premier League, but no one get, went to watch. Like they couldn't, even in England, they couldn't change the culture of the town uh, and get that away from being a, a predominantly rugby league town. <laughs> so what chance have they got in Seged of turning that town into a, a a football town? I mean, if they do it, then fair play, and I'm going to look stupid, but I, I can't see it. So fair enough to say that money is not going to drive the culture. I think if they're doing more than just building stadiums um, and they're actually like doing a lot of grassroots um, level stuff, like getting the clubs involved more in the community and and stuff, like getting them in the, involved in the schools, community centres, um, helping out in areas which are lacking, I guess they might change over the next 20 30 years but you've still got the problem whereas the the league's crap and people um people it would take a lot for people to see past that i think and if and i seged are gonna have to get inflated into the top division which is very hard to get as we spoke about last week very hard to get past into mb2 um these days uh, uh, up from MB2 into MB1, sorry, and they're in MB3 at the moment, so that's going to be a long process for them to be become a big club. Um, I didn't realise that this uh, podcast would be talking so much in depth about Seged, but here we are. <laughs> Hello to the people of Seged. <laughs> hopefully, this, hopefully this gets to the people in Seged. They'll probably be uh, watching Handball or anything. Anyway, uh, anyway, they definitely won't be tuning in. <laughs> well, guys, this is uh, it's been fun. I, I've actually had Easter dinner coming up here very soon, so um, uh, we, we need to keep do, keep doing this. What's, What's that? What's the traditional Easter dinner in the states? Because what we have here is um, chocolate eggs, basically, for dinner. Well, that's like, well, you know, the kids, we had an Easter egg hunt this morning uh-huh. and um, I, I won. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. They, they, that doesn't surprise they, me. They've, they've gone round and they've collected up all these eggs and then you're trying to tell a three and five year old that no, you, you can't eat them now. It's impossible. So, yeah, breakfast was basically chocolate eggs, um, lunch. Yeah, really chocolate eggs again. So it's just chocolate eggs all day, really. It's not like I can't think of a traditional sit-down Easter dinner. I'm probably going to offend loads of Christians now, but I just, I just can't. I can't think what one is. I don't even know if there is a traditional one. We've always had a ham 
and we do um, like a big potato dish to go with it. And, you know, it's just another excuse for us to, you know, beat our faces or whatever. So that's that's all. So I think when in doubt, just have a roast. Why not? That's so yeah, English. That's so though. <laughs> a roast. <laughs> What's better than a roast? So, see, a roast, roast for us is a verb. For you, it's a noun. You know, same, same thing with barbecue. Yeah, but you guys, you guys have exactly the same thing and call it Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we call it Sunday dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, we'll do this again. Um, I don't know if you're still up for it. I, maybe we'll do another game or we'll just have another catch all. But uh, um, yeah, choose it. Choose a better one. between america and the rest of the world that'd be good chris you could just like give us some influence of what of how america is so different but the things you do differently to the rest of the world well i'll need questions then and i'll I've, just submit I've them by the, wednesday my whole life has been leading up to questions to, to question an american Okay, great. I'm so I'm so glad I'm here for you. By <laughs> default. So I just looked up Hungary versus USA in terms of past meetings. Uh, one win, one draw, one loss, and the goal difference is identical. So. So um, I guess we're not going there. Um, can we maybe find a Hungary versus USA game on football here? Probably not. Last time they met was in 1993. For all you stat fans out there. Wow. Wow. They were horrible back then too. Oh, in 93. Uh, nil-nil. <laughs> Should we yeah, put, put that up as one of the choices for people? Please, let's not watch that. <laughs> I'd still like to put the 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 video on that game out there and see because that was close. I think people wanted to see that when they realized what it was and you know any any game that has Danko Lazovic flailing about like a fish is one to watch and I think he had a Oscar winning performance in that game. Yeah, Honestly, I think the, the most surreal day ever, Chris. I promise. <laughs> I'm still like, waiting for for personal videos from you guys. Uh, I, I, I heard you had some really good ones after the game and oh, stole man. some food and you know ran for some from the police and I mean all these great stories that have come out of you know nowhere. I can't wait to hear them all. So we we need to do that. You've not heard about the bad ones then, by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but they they were they, you guys were involved in the police with the police, weren't you? Or security or something in the stadium? Yeah, but there, there was something with security when we met Groffy after, wasn't there? But I can't I remember. We're allowed to say that, are we? <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if they vote for this game, you'll have to come up with it. And we don't care if you lie to us. Just make it interesting, okay? Yeah, I mean, no one will be able to know if we're lying or not, to be fair. So we could just lie no, for the whole thing. No, and that cross that I produced for the winner was just magnificent. <laughs> I, I can't believe I can't believe that they uh, allowed it after that. To be fair, but television fine. is so slimming. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, all right, guys, this has been great, and uh, we'll we'll get back to uh, to it next week. And um, 
I'm sure we'll figure out what we're going to do. But uh, thanks again for your time and wisdom and all that. So Great. appreciate Thank you, you guys coming on. Absolute pleasure, Chris. Thank you. Okay. Go back to your dull lives, and uh, we'll we'll try to spark it up again next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Take yeah, care, right. everyone. All right.